Let's, uh, let's, let's pray before we get started, and then we're going to jump straight into uh, the Word of God. Father, we thank you for just you. God, we thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that you would send your Son to this world to die in my place, to save wretches like me and like the people in this room, to bring us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And God, I thank you that you did not leave us orphans, but you are with us. Lord, you have brought us together, but we are adopted into this family where by your spirit we can cry out, Abba, Father, because you have been reconciled to our God who is in heaven. God, we praise you. We worship you and we adore you. Lord, will you speak to us this morning by your word? God, we don't want to leave your presence. Lord, we want to know more of you so that we can go out into this world and be more like you to a broken, hurting world. God, speak to us, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, we live in a culture, we live in a world, a society, where there are many people who are simply dull to the message of the Bible. They're simply dull to the message of the cross. It seems to have no effect as we speak to them. Some people get angry at the message of Jesus. Some people get frustrated at the message of Jesus. Some people get confused, perhaps, by the message of Jesus. Praise God, there are those who are open to the message of Jesus. But as I look at young people, especially in schools, and I consider people I know my own age in work and consider the world around us, I think there are more people who are just not bothered. They're simply not bothered by the need for a gospel. In fact, they don't think they need saving. These people who are simply apathetic towards the God of the Bible, in fact, God's word. The result is that many people reject and they push back against the message of the gospel. They push back against the message of Jesus and the message of the cross. And I say we are in fact surrounded by a rebellious people. I think about what rebellion is. Rebellion is what? It is being in opposition to something or someone. And there are many people in this world who are in opposition to God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. There are so many people who are at war with God because they are seeking the things of this world. And this is the exact same culture that the prophet Ezekiel found himself in. A key theme that runs through the prophecy is this. God is sending a man to speak to a rebellious people. God is sending a man to speak to a rebellious nation. Rebellion, the resistance, the opposition of obedience. We read that it is a sin of witchcraft. It is no small thing, and yet so many people are finding themselves in the midst of rebellion. Historically, as we read in Ezekiel, we're going to find ourselves in Babylon with God's people in captivity. And for many of these people who find themselves there, they find themselves in a position where they believe that God does not see. They believe that God does not care. And because of this, they're in active rebellion to God. 
They're in active rebellion to God's word, and they are in active rebellion to God's messengers. It sounds quite familiar to the world that we are living in, where the world is in rebellion to God, his word, the person of Jesus Christ, and those who are his messengers, the church of Jesus Christ. For some context, let's have a look at chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1 to 3. It says, Now it came to pass in the first year of year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chebar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Now, interestingly, Ezekiel, his name means God strengthens or strengthened by God. And if you're going out to bring a message to a rebellious people, you need the strength of God. Not the strength of yourself, not your own abilities, your successes, your credentials. You need God's strengthening hand upon you. Now, Ezekiel here, we find him present with those who are in their captivity. And he'd been there for five years. We read that he was a priest. And now he's about 30 years old. And if he was back in Jerusalem, he'd be about to begin his priestly duties. And yet he finds himself here in Babylon. And God has other plans for him. Familiar to any of you in the room. That you orientate your whole life to do one thing. You learn, you train, you you get good at one thing because that's what you're supposed to do. And then God steps in and says, I have a different plan. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Because our God interrupts our lives. He speaks into our lives because we are individuals that he cares about. And so Ezekiel, he's there and he finds himself by this river. And he's called by God, not to be the priest that he desired or been ordained to be, but he was going to be a prophet, a mouthpiece for God, a representative of God. But I want to notice this. An order is so important. God called Ezekiel. God called Ezekiel. No man told him to be a prophet. No structure, no culture told him to be a prophet. It was God who spoke into his life to be a prophet. But look, the call followed the encounter. The call followed the encounter. He first encountered the living God and then went on to serve the living God. He first met God by the river and then took the message to the people. It's almost like a hinge point in his whole prophetic ministry that he could constantly look back to this encounter with the living God. Where did his strength come from? God. Where was the origin of that strength? The God that he met by the river. And so if we are basing our lives, our faith, on anything but our calling, then where's the strength? It's not in God, it's in ourselves. It's when we're weak. It's in our weaknesses, when we acknowledge them, we accept them, that God can be made strong. And his strength is made perfect. But the challenge for us is this. Have you had that encounter? 
Have you had the encounter where you have met the living God? And as we said yesterday, if you've met God, there's no hesitation. There's no uncertainty. Have you met the living God? Yes. Have you met Christ, the risen, conquering Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Yes. Because it's a certainty. And from that certainty, that's where the trajectory of your life changes forever. This encounter was the beginning of a relationship. And so if you haven't had that encounter, you need to get on your knees. You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord. And you need to ask the Lord to come into your life. Because when you meet God, your life will be forever changed. And it's from that direction that we walk into successful ministries and successful Christian lives because we can constantly remember who God was in the encounter. And we can constantly remember that the God who we met in the encounter is the same as the God of his word. And so for five years, Ezekiel had been in Babylon. And can you imagine over five years, I'm not, I won't be surprised if his life has slipped into normal habits, normal routines, and yet one day by the river, one day by the river, God breaks into this normality. I was going well, in my head, why this day? Why did God pick this day of all days? But think about the day when you first met Christ. It was the day of your salvation. It's the day that the Lord had ordained and planned for you to have an encounter with the living God. Where he steps into and interrupts your life and takes something that's very ordinary and makes it very extraordinary. And it's in those moments of ordinary that we can experience the extraordinary that we can see God at work in our lives. But as reading this, it made me question, and maybe it should make us question, our own availability. How easy would it have been for Ezekiel to just carry on living this life as a captive in Babylon, just getting on with his daily routine, and just getting on with the normal every day that he missed the calling. I mean, it's quite hard to miss this calling. It was an incredible encounter. But for us, as we're in our ordinary, normal, day-to-day lives, are we, are we available? Are we available for that interruption? Are we available for God to speak in such a way that will change the direction of our lives? And not only are we available, but are we ready? And and the most important thing is here, are we ready to listen? Because we can be very stubborn people if we're honest with ourselves, especially when it comes to correction, especially when it comes to direction or redirection according to the word of God and his spirit. We can become stubborn people, and so we need to be ready to hear from God. We have this incredible vision we're not going to read all of it, but of these, these living creatures, these four living creatures, these cherubim. But in verse 25 of chapter 1, it says, A voice came from heaven above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne. In appearance, like a sapphire stone, on the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Ezekiel's doing his best here. This word likeness keeps popping up in this vision because God's inexplainable. The glory of God is beyond our comprehension or our cognitive load. We just can't handle it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. 
And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. This was a life-changing, life-transforming moment. This was the point at which his life, there was a before and there was an after. And we all have those moments of before and after where we realize we are in need of God's grace. We are in need of his saving love. Ezekiel did all that he could. He heard the voice, he saw the vision, and he did what? He fell down. It says, I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. He heard, he saw, he fell down, and then he began to listen. You know, I was speaking to kids in school, and they often ask about my faith. And it really strikes them when you talk about your personal testimony. And when I talk to them about the fact that I've met God, it blows their minds. Because to them, God is a construct. He's an idea. He's something out there. He's not real. He's not personal. He's not intimate. But when we can talk about our encounters with Jesus, that can change everything. Because it is truth. They can't argue with you. Because it happened. And even if they do argue, you can say, well, it happened. I don't know why it did, but God spoke to me. He spoke to me, he woke me up, and he sent me out. And that's what we're going to see here with Ezekiel. We're going to spend the rest of our time breaking down the call of Ezekiel. And we're going to break it into three sections and just really listen to what God might say to us as the church, but also as individuals in his church. The first section is this. It is the call to speak. The call to speak. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Now when you think about the title, son of man, when do, we, when do we hear that the most? Who's it referred to? Jesus. It's a divine title. But here it's not divine at all. It's speaking to Ezekiel as simply a man. And we need to recognize that we are but vapor. We're on this earth maybe 70, 80 years, and then we're gone. And in that brings a sense of humility before a fearful, awesome, mighty God. To recognize our state and our position before him is vital if we want to serve him well. And then the Spirit answered me when he spoke to me, and he set me on my feet. Who's, who's strengthening him? The Spirit of God. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are an impotent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Look at the shift there in responsibility. The people will know that a prophet has been among them. They will know that God has sent a messenger. And now the responsibility doesn't lie on the messenger. It relies upon those or lands upon those who've received the message. 
And verse 6 says, You son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. The briars and fawns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words, or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel, I'm with you and for you. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. Be bold. Do not be afraid. Three times in that verse. Do not be afraid. And you shall speak my words. Whose words? My words. The words of God to them. Whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious people. But you, son of man, and this is for all of us, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Contrast, obedience, disobedience. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house, but open your mouth and eat what I give you. So if you think about the call here to speak, the call starts with this, and it always should do. It starts with God. God says, I will speak to you. And he basically lifts him up. The Spirit of God lifts him up, stands him to attention, and then God says, I'm going to give you your orders. I'm going to give you your commission, your marching orders, but first, listen to me. Imagine this vision, this mind-boggling vision, and God brings him in from all that's going on around, all the visual things happening. He says, listen to me. Take notice of my voice. The world wants you. It wants to distract you and misdirect you, but I want you to hear my voice. I'm calling you. You, Ezekiel, not the people around you on the river, but you. And that's an incredible thing that our God is so relational that he steps into lives and calls us by name and wants us, think about this, us to be a part of his plan. The God of the universe, the one who spoke everything into being. That God wants you a part of his plan. That's awesome. And as God lifts up Ezekiel, he does not give him any suggestions. He gives him commands. He sends him out. I think it's our job in this position to discern and to know the voice of God. Because there are many voices, are there not? In the world we're living in, there are many teachers, many preachers even, many ideologies, many different ways of living. We need to discern the voice of God. Of God, but Jesus, Jesus is the one who calls his sheep by name. Why? Because he knows us by name. Jesus is the one who leads his sheep, guards them, protects them. Jesus is the one who goes before his sheep, and the sheep follow. Why do they follow? Because they know his voice. And so we need to get to know the voice of our Savior. Jesus, because when we hear his voice, we, like Ezekiel, can stand up to attention. We can take our directives, our commission, and go forward. And then God says to him, I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. You're not staying here. I'm sending you out. And the command is a simple one. It's the same as our command today. It's go. Get up and go. And as you go, take with you a message. And it's my message it's not your interpretation of the message or translation of the message. It's not your perception of the message or bias of the message. It's not what you think they might be able to take and what they can't take. It's my message. Take my message. It's very simple. Speak 
my words. And as James said last Sunday, as you go, recognize that you are the delegation. You are the ones who are going out and representing the King of Kings. You are the ambassador. You are the one representing Jesus in a foreign land. And you are constantly pointing back to him. I mean, just look at the audience that Ezekiel is called to go and speak to. He's called to an impudent, hard-hearted, hard-headed, stubborn, and rebellious people. Can you imagine being sent to people like that with a message of life, love, hope, joy, peace, Jesus? Being sent to a disrespectful, I've had that before. Hard-hearted, had that before. Stubborn, had that before. Rebellious people with this message, this gospel, this good news. Look at verse 6 again with me slowly. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and fawns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are, are a rebellious house. We're going into hostile territory. If the church wants to advance, the church wants to go forward, we're going into the midst of a rebellious people, a stubborn, hard-hearted people, people who look upon you, people who mock you, people who judge you for your faith, your belief, people who question why you're not going to Christmas parties, people who question why you're not doing certain things. They will question you, and they will hurt you and harm you, but you go in and you repeat the message which you've been given. Because Ezekiel was sent to the people who were in opposition to God. Why? He was sent on a mission of reconciliation. And if you look throughout the entire scripture, reconciliation is one of those wonderful, wonderful things to consider. Reconciliation of, of man and God. Man who has fallen, broken, and a God who simply wants them back in a relationship. Ezekiel was a representative of reconciliation just as much as we are. Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about being an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to read this from the J.B. Phillips. It says, This is God's doing, not man's, for he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has made us agents of the reconciliation. That's you and me. Agents of the re reconciliation. Going out, seeking to bring people back into a right relationship with Jesus. It goes on and says, God was in Christ personally reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has commissioned, again that military language, commissioned us, you, me, the church, with a message of reconciliation, of taking Jesus and the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the fact that through the blood of Christ, we can have that relationship with the God in heaven. That's the message of reconciliation. And we are now his, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were appealing direct to you through us. And his personal representatives. Let's consider that language. We are the personal representatives of Christ here on earth. And we say to those who are at war with God, make your peace with God. Make your peace with God. 
that God caused Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, actually to be sin for our sakes. So in Christ, we might be made good with the goodness of God. That's what we are sent to. We are sent to bring reconciliation. We are sent to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And God says to Ezekiel, you will speak my words. And the world we're living in now is taking God's word and distorting it, adding to it, taking from it, manipulating it, changing it. But God says you will speak my words. Nothing else. Nothing else has the power to set people free. Nothing else has the power to bring people to Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. Even if, even if they refuse you, who's had a negative experience of sharing the gospel? Who can count how many negative experiences they've had? This goes on and on and on because people are stubborn, hard-hearted, hard-headed, rebellious. But our job is one, to go, two, to represent, and three, to present. We are told to go, and we are to go faithfully. We're told to represent. Who are we representing? King Jesus. And we are then told to present the message of the gospel. And if we look in this passage, they will then know that a prophet has been among them. We bring the message, we give the message, and then we leave it to God. We are not the Holy Spirit, and we should not be trying to do the work and job of the Holy Spirit in bringing conviction upon other people. We bring the word of God, we bring it faithfully, and we bring it and speak in truth and in love, and we step back, and then we allow God to do the work. Because we are bringing a message of hope to rebellious people, and many will walk away and never consider it again. But in some, God will start to soften and start to grow. But the results are not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to faithfully deliver the message. As we said yesterday, proclamation, not explanation. You know, speaking to Mormons recently, and you can go around the houses, talk about all sorts of stuff, and I ended the conversation by saying, have you met the risen Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you met him? And they couldn't answer it. Who's Jesus to you, the Son of God? No. But we don't explain, we just proclaim who Christ is and the message of the gospel. Paul says it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God, God makes the seed grow. He brings the increase, not us. And that basically, to Ezekiel, to me, to you, the message is this. Stick to the script. And what's the script? God says, speak my words. That's the script. Let the word of God enter into the heart of whoever you're speaking to and then go on to the next person and trust that God's doing a work in the person you just spoke to. And let us not grow weary, tired, worn out, burnt out whilst doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, I've been teaching the same school now for 10 years, and each and every year, you get a fresh batch of students. My prayer is always, Lord, open up a door that I can share the good news of who you are to at least a handful of them. And 
I've never seen the fruit. I've never seen the fruit of that ministry in the school for 10 years. But I'm trusting that God will one day raise up men and women across this nation because by his grace, I've been able to have opportunities to share the word of God with these kids. And that's it, right? We just faithfully do what God has called us to faithfully do, which is to spread the good news of the gospel. So God calls Ezekiel to go and speak. The second section is this, the call to the word. In verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mournings and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like the honey, like honey and sweetness. And then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. Again, I think order is so important. God says to Ezekiel, eat, then go. Not go in your own strength. And when you're so weak, you can't stand up, then eat. He says, eat, then go. You know, as Jesus is asked the question, Lord, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. Part of the prayer, the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer is, give me this day, give us this day our daily bread. That, that word in season, that manner, and we pray for it and we should pray for it and we should seek it because it is needed. It's a necessity in our lives because without it, we are weak because we're relying upon ourselves. But it's for our sustenance and our strengthening that we go to the word of God and then we go. We eat, we feed, and then we go. In fact, the word here is, is, is more like devour, feast upon, right? Have a feast on the word of God. Enjoy it, savor it, take it in, and only then can you go. Paul writing to Timothy, he said, it's only by the word of God that we are thoroughly equipped. It's only by his word that we are thoroughly equipped. It's not by opinions and ideas that we find in the world or self-help books or anything we can find on the internet. It's about the word of God. We're thoroughly equipped to go out and do his work. In Psalm 119, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. How can you walk in the law of the Lord if you don't know the law of the Lord? So blessed are those who keep his testimonies. How can you keep his testimonies if you don't know them? Blessed are those who seek him with a whole heart, who lay aside all else and simply pursue the word of God. We know, and it was said yesterday in one of the messages, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you don't have a lamp and you don't have a light, what are you? kind of lost right you're lost without direction without purpose without meaning it's the word of God that gives us meaning purpose direction because it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path one thing that really um, struck me from yesterday there, there was so much but one thing that I took away is this we need to be in the presence of God 
before we're in the presence of people. Especially if we're considering the ministry of Ezekiel here, we need to be in the presence of God before we're in the presence of the people that we're taking that message to. And I think it's all linked to our effectiveness in this Christian life. Because if we're not spending time with God, then who are we reflecting to the world? We're just simply reflecting ourselves. And no one wants to follow me. No one wants to follow you. And so if we're not spending time with the light of the world, how can we reflect his light into the world? And so we need to seek him with our whole heart, early in the mornings if you can. I know that's not always easy, especially with small children. Or you like a lion. But it's about being in the presence of God, and it's that presence which then sustains us and strengthens us when we're in the midst of this rebellious nation and world that we're finding ourselves in. Wouldn't it not be a great thing if the people that you encounter walk away going, there's something different about them. There's something I can't, can't quite put my finger on. What is it? It's because these people have been with Jesus. These people have been with the living God. Ezekiel is told, feed your belly, fill your stomach. Feed your belly, fill your stomach with this word. We're to let the word of God, the word of Christ, dwell in us richly. To change us, to transform us, to bring us into the image of Jesus Christ. To be so full that we are overflowing with a good thing. And that means that we are to seek to make the word of God a part of who we are. We're to consume the word, but also be consumed by the word. So that as we are out and about, we're simply speaking the words of Christ, or at least in our attitude, our actions, our intentions, people can see the love of Jesus. And this feeding, if we're doing it right, needs to lead to doing. You know, yesterday we were here for a good, I was here a long time, I guess like nine or ten hours. All of that would be nothing if it doesn't change the way I live my life. If it doesn't have some kind of impact on my attitude towards the word of God, my attitude towards the glory of God, his holiness. We can take in so much information that we just become fat sheep who can't do anything useful. And so we're supposed to take in the word of God and then by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to look about application and how we can bring that word into our lives for the lives of the people who are around us. How else are we to be, as the church, salt and light? How else can we be salt and light unless we're living out the word of God, unless we're allowing the word of God to change us from the inside out? And then we see that that Ezekiel, he eats it, and it's his mouth like honey in sweetness. Again, in the Psalms, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. A good question is this. Do you enjoy reading the Bible? Do you enjoy it? That's a question for you to answer within your own self. Do you actually enjoy reading the Bible? What is your attitude towards the Word of God? Because it will tell you something of your attitude to the God of the Word as well. 
So as we come to the Word of God, we're supposed to be an enjoyment. It's supposed to be a delight. And I think so many of us, we can come into a position, a situation where the Word of God is a chore. And it's no longer a healthy habit, but it's just something that's ritualistic. And then maybe some of us, and this, this could be you, we see everyone else around us at Bible study at church, and they're sharing from the Word. They're talking about the Word. They seem to be excited by the Word. And we just have this overwhelming sense of guilt, this overwhelming sense of condemnation of thinking, why don't I enjoy the Bible? Why don't I enjoy reading and learning? Why do I not delight in the Word of God? I think for some of us, we just need to get back to the simplicity of sitting and listening. Because we come to the Word of God and we almost come with this expectation of what we want to hear from the Word. And then when we don't hear what we want to hear, we get disgruntled. Or we come to the Word of God because it's what we've done day in, day out. You know, it wasn't until I went to Bible college when I was 21. Um, definitely born again, baptized in the spirit at university when I was about 18, 19. But then it got to Bible college. And it wasn't until I got to Bible college where I really fell in love with the Bible. Where I got to put time aside to just be in the presence of God and just hear what he was saying. And I remember very vividly um, doing the outreach. It was actually on the way to Cambridge from King's Lynn uh, in, in that first year of, of Bible college. And you have to imagine, I come from university, I studied chemistry, I was surrounded by these, these 18, 19-year-old American kids, and I was like, I am the smartest person in the room. And I might have been, but that's not important. I wasn't really. And um, I, I had it in my head that I, I, I was already above these people. I remember very vividly coming on the train from King's Lynn to Cambridge, and we picked up over there in, in, in Water Beach and just reading in Corinthians. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. That is the purpose of being in the Word. That is the purpose of relying upon the word, that it would build us up, not into our own image, but into the image of Christ. Not into our best selves, but into him. So the world could see Jesus amongst us. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his what? Delight is in the law of the Lord. How do you know it's his delight? Because it's in his law. He meditates day and night. It's just going through all the time. And what's the fruit of this delight in the law of the Lord? It's that he will be like a tree. And that tree is planted by rivers of water, living water, that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is why we need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And at this point in, in Ezekiel's calling, God gives him a little bit of a warning again. And it's kind of like an interlude here in our sections. And when we read here, that God says you're going to a people, but I want to remind you about the people you're going to. So if we look in verse 5 of chapter 3, it says, For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Who rejected Jesus? Those of Nazareth, those of his own, right? Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel 
will not listen to you. The house of Israel will not listen to you. Why? Because they will not listen to me. When you walk away and you feel rejected after sharing the gospel, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting the one you're representing. They're rejecting God in their own hearts. We're simply there as messengers. We're simply there as the representatives of God. And, and you may be, I don't know, maybe it's just me reading this. I wonder if Ezekiel at some point is thinking, what's the point going? I'm going to people who are going to say no. I'm going to people who are going to reject me. I'm going to people who really at the moment just don't really care about God or the messages of God. And I don't know how you feel about where you're called to and the sphere that you're called to, but you may be looking around going, there's just nothing happening. There's no fruit. There's no change. But I want to encourage you to stop looking at the horizontal and continue to look at the vertical. Who gave Ezekiel this command to go? God. And he said, don't be like that rebellious people, but follow. Be obedient. Trust me. Trust in the Lord of all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. There's a call to go and speak. There's a call to the word of God. And the third section is this. It's the call to watch. If we look in chapter 3, verse 16, this is seven days after the vision and the first calling. It says, now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them a warning from me. God's calling the church to watch. He's calling us to watch, to speak the word of God in warning. He's doing it on an individual basis in your lives, with the people around you, your families, your friends, your colleagues, your, your neighbors. As we were praying in that time of, of, of worship and prayer, so many of us have people on our hearts who we're lifting up to God because we want to see them saved. Why? Because we know what's coming. We have to be watchful. And from the position of being watchful, we have to bring a warning because we have Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. And so we have this treasure within us and we bring it to those who are in desperate need. This was a God-given responsibility to Ezekiel. It's a responsibility to give to the church and to us as individuals as well. To watch and to warn those around us. And to watch just means to be aware. To actively pay attention to what's going around in the world. To recognize, to discern the times and the seasons we're living in. To be sober. Because it's sobering times. To be vigilant because it's rocky, shaky times. Because there is an adversary. There is an enemy who's prowling around, roaring like a lion, seeking to destroy, seeking to deceive and steal, and his name is Satan. And so we must be watchful. And that should inspire us to be watchmen and to be the ones who are bringing the warning because we've been saved by grace. We've been saved by grace through faith, not in our own works, nothing we could boast in, but the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And there are so many people who need this message. 
and many people will reject it, but that's not the point. The point is to bring the word of God, his words, to those who are lost. For only Jesus can set people free from their sins. Only Jesus can set free the captives. And so we need to warn the world. We need to speak the truth of the gospel in love and in faith. And this is a season in life where we need to be bold, where we need to be brave. We need to take risks for the gospel. How else can we step forward if we're only cowering back? We need to walk with Christ and be courageous in the face of fear because there is a lot of fear going around. But Ezekiel heard from God three times, do not be afraid. And we know that the message to Joshua was be very courageous. Because you never know what your actions or, or your words might result in. You never know. But you're faithfully planting the word of God. And you're stepping back and trusting that God will step in. And there are many different people that we can warn. We can warn the unsaved, the non-believer of the fact that they need Christ. The fact that they are walking and living in sin. But we can also warn the backslidden and the prodigal, those who have strayed away, stepped away, those who are in need of being brought back in. But also we can warn those who need encouragement. We can be encouraging the body of Christ. We can be exhorting, challenging, stretching one another because the days are evil and we need Jesus. The final thing that I want to say is this, and it resonates with what Joey said yesterday afternoon. Be faithful to God. Verse 27, but when I speak of you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious People, You see, our role is this. Our role is to hear from God and to go and to simply speak his word, not our word, not our interpretation of the word, but ex not explaining the word, but proclaiming the truth of God. And the question is, are we going to be faithful in this sphere that God has placed us in, wherever that might be, wherever in the world that might be. Are we going to be faithful to follow the call of God? Because God is always faithful. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And like Ezekiel, who is called out here by God, we have also been called out by God. We've been chosen, adopted into a wonderful family, and given our role as members of a body, of a bigger body, called the Church of Jesus Christ. And like Ezekiel, we live in the midst of a rebellious people, and we're called to speak. We're called to be a voice. We're called to feed on his word, and let that be the priority. Let his word be our priority. And then we're called to watch, and we're called to warn against what is ahead of us. God called Ezekiel out on a very ordinary day, and he called him out to a very extraordinary ministry. He's done the same for you. He's done the same for me. And he wants us to be faithful. Amen.
Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this interruption in the life of Ezekiel. And I thank you, God, that you've interrupted our lives. And you've given us directives. You've given us purpose. You've given us meaning. God, I thank you that in this day and age, we can rest upon your promises and trust firmly in you, the one who is immovable and unshakable. God, you are our rock, our refuge, our firm foundation. Lord, will you continue to speak to us, continue to stretch and challenge us by your spirit. And Lord, I know that you go with us and you are for us. And for that, I am forever thankful. We praise your holy name, Jesus.